Amen. Right on. Last week of Balancing Act, we've been talking about trying to keep our balance and balancing between what's urgent and what's really important. A lot of times we give our attention to what's loud and what's urgent and we miss what's important. And so I encourage you to go to the last few weeks and just see what we've been talking about as far as balance and just keeping our balance because obviously we don't want to stumble and fall. We don't want to miss what God has for us. And so in this last week, uh, I'm excited to share with you on the imbalance of living a sinful life. And I know many of you are like, oh no, like I came to a service where he's going to be preaching on sin. Listen, I may be 37 and we may have a little bit more modern church, but I am still old school. I believe that sin is a thing. Amen. I believe that hell is hot and it's real. Can I get an amen? And I believe I'm not going to be a pastor who shies away from truth. It's not my assignment as a pastor to inspire, inspire you. Did you know that? It's not my assignment for me to come in here and just say some things that make you feel good. I know a lot of people in churches have started to go down that road, and there's warnings about that. In the, in the, hey, in the last days, there's going to be tickling of the ear. Are you with me? My assignment is to tell the truth and preach God's word. Are you with me? And so that's what we get to do. And so I'm excited to get up here and call y'all sinners. I'm excited to get up here and tell you, turn or burn. Actually, that's not the case at all. I'm actually going to do the opposite of that. I think way too many churches have got up and said, you're a sinner and you're no good. And we have people who literally say, I can't come to church until I get my life right. They feel like they got to fix themselves before they can come into a church. That's not it at all. This place is built for us to bring all of our shortcomings and faults and hurts. Are you with me? This is the place where we get that stuff put back together. Amen. But we do need to acknowledge the fact that sin is a thing. And it's mentioned in scripture and it's spoke of by God and it's spoke of by Jesus. And so we can't fall into a place where we say, well, it makes people uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. Uh, and so we don't want to talk about it. Let's just make, no, no, no. It's a key component. It's a core part of the lifestyle of Christianity. Are you with me today? is sin. And so it's a church word, right? There's not a lot of people walking around in your break room, like using the word sin. <laughs> it's like a church word. Uh, but, but it's also a part of every single person's life, whether they acknowledge it or not. Uh, sin in falling short of the glory of God or the way that God called us to live is something that we all battle. And so it's important for us to know about sin. Now, if you're a young person in here, I want to kind of give you just some strong advice today. If you can understand this truth at a young age, I think you're you're life hacking. You're doing a good job. You're, you know, some of you are like life hacking. What's he talking about? The teenagers get it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It is. It's like a hack. If you can understand that if, if you live the way that God created you to, and we're going to get into here in just a minute, instead of living a lifestyle of sin and compromise, uh, unfortunately in culture, we see this terminology uh, given and it's supported and encouraged way too often, which is this, and live your own truth. Be you. Do you. Do your own thing. No, 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 no. God created you to live a certain way. God created you with values and a principle system and a core because it's the better way to live. You know, when Jesus came up on and showed up on earth, he said, I have come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. What he's saying is I've come to give you life and give it to you better. Jesus' message when he came to earth was, hey, I'm, I'm coming here to show you how to live. And so it wasn't this, I'm angry, God, don't do that because I'm angry, God, and want you to have no fun. He's saying, no, 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 don't do that. It's better instead to do this. 
It's better to live this way, not this way. And he created us and he knows us. And so he knows what's best for us. Can I get an amen? So teenagers, if you can get it, young people, if you can get it at a young age, don't, don't fall into that. Don't do you. Don't be you. Don't live your own truth. Don't find your own way. Live God's way. The compromise of sin and self and all is not the best way to live. The way God created you is the best way to live. Unfortunately, in culture, we are living in a culture that not only glorifies sin, it's in our music. We celebrate that I'm a whatever you want to say. And we make a big deal. Old school, some of you old school, like it, it used to kind of be a thing in rock and roll, right? Like, I'm on a highway. To, and you were like a tough guy, right? Because you were like a... But now it, it was kind of like an image thing, you know, and you'd kind of brag about. But, but now we've really got into a place where we glorify sin. We've, we, we, and, and the other thing is, not only do we glorify it, we've got so sophisticated in our sin, we found intelligent ways to justify our sins. So as believers, we're going, wait a minute, God created us to live this way with these values and these principles and these structures. And then you got the arguments over here that are saying, no, this is why it's okay to live this way. We put all our excuses and justifying on it. And so it's like, what do we do in this tension? So I'm so grateful for the scripture. So grateful for God's word that helps us divide and decide what is true. Amen. So we see Jesus, in the very, we see in the very beginning. You always go back to the beginning. So like, all right, what does God say? And so we look at the very beginning, Genesis, the beginning. And we see the scripture says that God put Adam and Eve in the garden, and he gave them the instructions to what? Tend to it and keep it and oversee it and steward it. So what does he say? He says, look, you're in paradise this is the best way to live. This structure, this system, this way of living is how I created you to live. And he says, but don't do that. That over there, when you eat of that tree, when you compromise and you make that choice of sin, you'll surely die. Now, they actually didn't surely die. What it meant was shame and the best way to live. It all, death became upon them. Are you understand what I'm saying? So there was a downgrade that happened when they justified and participated in sin. And so God's saying, steward this, live this way. This is paradise. This is the way I've called you to live. And we're walking in fellowship with God. And then the minute that they choose sin, downgrade happens in their life. Same thing in our lives. God says, this is how I've called you to live. These are the promises and the principles and the practices that I have for your life. And they're life-giving and they're fulfilling. Are you with me? But the minute we choose compromise and sin, downgrade and shame, and hindering. Are you with me? And so so he's saying, steward it. It matters. The principles, and the structures, and the processes that are happening in the world, and in our lives. That's why Proverbs 29 verse 2 says this, "When, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. It's important for us as Christ followers to care about who is voted unto the Supreme Court. It's important for us to care about voting. It's, oh, he's getting political. No, I'm doing the same thing God told Adam and Eve. Steward this earth in a way that's righteous and of my values. Why? Because when we walk in the things that God created us to walk in, it's the best way of living. And so you should care. Are you with me? about making sure that things are in place, that we live the way God called us to live. Because when we live with standards and structures that are compromises of sin, it's bad. Amen. Are you with me? 
And so again, I'm not trying to make like a political statement here, but what I'm saying is you can't just be like, bro, do you find your own truth. It doesn't affect me. It does affect all of us because God created us all to live a certain way. And anytime sin enters, that downgrade happens and pain and suffering and injustice and all of the things that you can tag to it are just attached to sinful living. Can I get an amen? And that's why God says, don't. Instead, do. So this message isn't like, you're a sinner and God thinks you're sleaze. No, God, it's instead this. Don't do that because it's better to do this. And that's life-giving and that's fulfilling. Are you with me? So that's what this message is about today is it's, hey, we're not going to be people who compromise and lower the bar and make excuses for our sinful lifestyle. Why? Because we want all of God's best for our life. Now, here is a little bit of good news maybe for you is guess what? God's expectation of you is not perfection. We're going to sin. We're all going to fall short of it, but we're not going to make excuses for it and justify it and try to make a reason for why we're going to. Are you with me? We believe this. We believe that you were created on purpose for a purpose. None of us are here by accident. None of us are here to just kind of waste time and get through life and be kind to a few people. And do, No, you were created on purpose for a purpose. And so to live your best purpose, you need to be living the way that God created you to. And again, I'm going to be redundant, but the, one of the things that hurts you from living your best purpose is when we justify sin and we downgrade the quality of life that we're called to live. Are you with me? So this idea of sin matters. You can't be like, oh, and make excuses for it. It's my thing. I hear it all the time. Well, this is just my thing, and I'm dealing. No, everything affects another thing because we were all created on purpose for a purpose. God has a plan. And so in the garden, we saw it was perfect. It was paradise. It's the best way to live. And he says, hey, don't, don't, don't downgrade. This is what I created for you. Avoid this because this is the better way to live. Uh, we've all seen it in our lives where we uh, love that. We always say this in church whenever we hear the little ones, healthy things grow. That's a sign of life. Are you with me? So we love that. And honestly, I wish some of you fuddy-duddy adults would get a little more vocal in here. Help me <laughs> preach a sermon. Someone's like, fuddy-duddy. That's a Christian curse. Never stub your toe and say, oh, fuddy-duddy. I know you don't because you're sinners. You guys. Everybody always says to me, I'm not joking anymore. I'm telling another point. Everybody always says to me, everybody always says to me, oh, Christianity is so full of rules. Oh, God is so angry and restricting and he takes away all my fun, you know, especially when I was a youth pastor. Oh, is there, is God, Christianity is so full of rules. And, uh, but the truth is God's word and his plan for your life is full of more promises for your life than any kind of rules. The example that I always give is this. If I had you come over to my house and you were going to take care of the house and, and we were going out of town, I'd say, look, you can, the pantry's full, the freezer's full, the refrigerator, you, you can have whatever you want, freely eat of whatever you want, because that's what God told Adam and Eve in the garden. Freely eat of all of this paradise, all of this blessing is all yours. But then I were to say to you, hey, except for that jar of cyanide in the refrigerator, don't drink that. So free, you can have everything, but don't drink that. Does that make me some angry, unloving person? No, of course not. It's somebody who's caring for you and watching out on your behalf. It's somebody who's saying, look, all of that is good for you. Participate in all of this. This is the best way to live. But don't do that. Because when you do that, you'll surely die. When you do that, you'll surely downgrade. But the problem is we're living in a culture that's like, oh, do you. It's your thing. It's your life. Do you? That's not loving. 
essentially we're saying, are, are you with me? I say it like this before. I know some of you have heard these examples before, but it's like this microphone was created by somebody on purpose for a purpose. So it's got great purpose because you don't create something that you don't have purpose for. And it goes to the table. It's like, oh, I'm going to create a thing that I don't care about. No, you care about it. That's why you're creating it. So creating this microphone, and as the creator, I know what's best for its function. I know what's best atmosphere. I know what would hinder it. I know what would encourage it. Are you with me? I know the creator would know everything about this microphone. So when the creator says, hey, probably not best if you use that underwater, it's not like, oh, that creator. No. <laughs> It's like, no, 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 that's not a good thing to do. So when our Heavenly Father is like, hey, I created you on purpose and for a purpose, and it's important that you don't do those things because it's not good for you because I created you and I know what's not good for you. Instead, do these things that are good for you. Are you with me? And so that's, that's really kind of the message and the topic of sin is this idea of sin, no, not good for you. And the enemy's always trying to push his sin and push in his thing. Why? Because it will hinder your best ability as a believer for the kingdom. Are you with me? And so we got to pay attention. And so for me, uh, one of my biggest frustrations and pet peeves in life is watching somebody do something the wrong way. So I have a two-year-old daughter, Callie. Uh, many of you serve with her and survive her as she's in nursery with you or whatever. Uh, but uh, it's so frustrating. She's at that age where she wants to do some things on her own. So she's got the granola bar and she's trying to open it. Of course, it's, we're in a hurry and she needs to eat the granola bar. And, and so she's over here and she can't do it. Hey, let me do it. No, I'll do it. It's like, oh my gosh. And she's doing it the wrong way. No, you got to open it. No, this. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Same thing with my son. He has a Nintendo Switch, which for you old people, that's a Game Boy, okay? It's a modern Game Boy. And so he'll be playing the game, and he'll get so frustrated, and he'll be so stuck at this game he's trying to figure out. You know, he's got to move this to here to unlock this thing, to defeat this guy. And so he'll be so frustrated, and I'll come to him, and I'll be like, buddy, let me help you. You just got to do this. He's like, no, I'll do it. And he keeps doing it the wrong way. And I'm just like, no, just give me it a second. That's not the way to do it. Let me help you. No, I do it. And I just wonder if our Heavenly Father is stuck in the same frustration. We're down here like, no, I'm going to live my own truth. I got this. Do it my own way. And we're so frustrated and we have the results of sin and the fruit of sin. and All of the, are you with me? We keep saying, I got it. I can do this. I can handle this. And he's like, no, you're doing it wrong. There's such a better way to do that, bro. Right? If we would just follow the Bible and live his truth in his way, you would have so much more better fruit in your life. Can I get an amen? amen? My brother is two years younger than me, and he's an idiot. And um, <laughs> my parents are here. She said, oh, because she's like, I can't believe he told the truth. But I said, I'm assigned to do one thing, tell the truth. <laughs> Some people know him, apparently. Mom, you can't have two good sons, and obviously I'm the good son. So he's not here. Is he at church today? I don't, I'm looking. Where are you at, Adam? You guys are like, oh my gosh, they need to see somebody. We do. We see people. I assure you. Um, so everybody, calm down. I love my brother. Okay. 
And so I was talking to him the other week, and uh, and we were having a conversation. He's very blunt. You know, I'm the pastor, and so at times I'm compassionate and caring, and he's not. I took all that grace. <laughs> so we're talking the other day. He made this statement, which is great. I'm actually trying to give him a prop, and you guys get in the way of it. But he said, bro, he's like, well, here's what it comes down to. He's like, you play stupid games, and you win stupid prizes. He's like, you play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. And I was like, that's really good. <laughs> That's a really good truth. And here's what we always do as Christians. We're always blaming the devil. Oh, the devil. How's it going? Oh, the devil. Man, I'm really under attack. I'm really under attack. No, you keep playing stupid games. You keep winning stupid prizes. Stop blaming all your bad fruit on the devil. He's doing it again. He's doing it again. No, you keep compromising. You keep sinning. You keep making excuses. You keep downgrading the way God's called you to live. And you're winning stupid prizes. Can I get an amen? Should we just go home? Is that good? Somebody's like, well, he should let his brother preach. That was solid. He didn't put it in a sermon. I did. He was just saying things. John chapter 10, verse 10 uh, says this in the Amplified. The thief, talking about the devil, the enemy, comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've never met anybody that's been like, yeah, you know, I was sinning and I was like, I got a really good deal from the devil. Like at the end, you know, we really worked a pretty good, fair deal. No, no, no. He only comes to destroy your life. He only comes to wreck the marriage, to ruin the job. To, are you with me? There is no middle. And the scripture of Jesus saying, I've come that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. God's giving you paradise, the best way to live, all that you need to live in your full purpose. And anytime we make excuses and we compromise, we're making deals with the devil who's out to destroy you. There's no middle. The New Living Translation says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's not talking about money. That's not talking about like, oh, you're going to be prosperous and drive nice cars. It's saying the way that you're called to live and and function and be is rich and satisfying in paradise, the way God created us to live. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Many of us know that scripture, but I love how the message version says. It says, but now you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do. But now that you've found, you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God tell you. What a surprise. I love this. A whole healed, put together life right now. Not when we get to heaven someday, which it will be, but the scripture, the promise of living the way that God's called us to live is a whole healed life that you can have now. And it says this, and with more on the way, which is talking about heaven. It says, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life delivered by the masters, the master Jesus. Listen, my mentor told it to me this way. You righteousness, holiness, purity, right living with God is so beautiful. It's like if you have this barrel of just overflowing of God's goodness and righteousness and his standard, it's the most beautiful thing. But every time, so it's just clean and you can imagine it to be whatever you want it to be. Just beautiful, perfect. But every time we compromise, you're going to the barrel of just sludge and filth and you're just taking out what is best and pure and beautiful and you're putting in are you with me? 
So every time you're trying to make a decision about should I, maybe, I can handle it, I can get away with it, just know that you're ruining the best thing. Who would do that? Who would choose to do that? The, the, The downgrade of sin is just something that should be so foreign to us. Right? You've never like gone to the mall and saw a lineup of people like around the store. Hey, like what's everybody doing? Oh man, today's the day. We, you know, they open up today. We all get to downgrade our phones. <laughs> no, no, no. You wait in line for upgrades. Like we, we, we look, we, we're living for the better kind of life. But it's so weird in the ways of God that we, we just continue to justify why it's okay downgrading and compromising. Are you with me? And that's what sin does in our life. I love Susanna Wesley. John Wesley's mom. She said, sin is anything that decreases your passion for God. So anything in your life that takes away from your passion and your zeal and your drive for the things of God should be viewed as sinful. Sin is temporary insanity. How many of you have ever said, I don't know what came over me? It's we've made compromises and we've given a foothold. We've given ground to the enemy and therefore it's caused this temporary insanity. Sin is disobedience to your knower. You know better. You know better than that, and then you disobey. Uh, Ignoring the screaming voice of the Holy Spirit is how you could describe sin. Uh, The Hebrew translation of sin, uh, the definition is this, to go astray or to miss the mark. How many of you know you don't want it to be said about your life, man, they were so kind, they had such potential, but they missed the mark because we always compromised, we always made an excuse for, and we've gone astray. Isaiah 5.20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The scripture is saying this, like warning, major warning to anybody who is saying that evil is good and that good is evil. This scripture is so alive today. When you take a look at choices that are being made and the way that we talk about certain things, if you see people trying to tear down and destroy what is good for the sake of evil, the prophet is warning, whoa, warning, warning. And so for us, we got to just, we got to kind of, when someone comes to you and says like, oh, bro, live your truth, do your thing. If, you know, if it works for you, whoa, warning. If you're trying to justify this, for, well, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not, no, no, woe to you. Stop trying to call evil good. I don't care where you've come from or how far you've come. Are you with me? Woe to those who call it. Sin causes you to be somebody you don't want to be. At the end of the day, God created you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, and there's this certain kind of thing. And every single time I've seen somebody go down a road of sin, They end up at my desk or in my life and they're saying, I don't even know who I am anymore. Sin will always cause you to be somebody you don't want to be. It'll cost you your kids. It will cost you your marriage. It will cost you your job. And it looked so good. I can handle this. I got this. I'm not where I used to be. And then you have nothing left. Because it makes you be somebody you don't want to be. Sin puts you on a road that you won't like the final destination. This looks good. I can handle this. This isn't so bad. And then you get to the final destination and it's a place you never wanted to be. That's what sin does. Sin's pain is delayed. Oh, this isn't so bad. Look at this. This isn't affecting me too much. Look at this. I got this under control. 
and then the pain sets in and the, the realization sets in. Are you with me? James chapter 1 kind of talks about how we get there. Uh, I don't have the verse for you, but if you just read the whole chapter, it talks about how our thoughts give birth to our sins. So the encouragement is be careful what you think about. Be careful what you interact with because, oh, I can handle this. I can justify this. And then it gives birth to our sin. Uh, Jesus was crucified on the hill of Golgotha, which is a place, it's called the place of the skull. Literally, when he had victory on the cross, it's almost this symbol of we can have a victory of our thought life. So when the scripture says, hey, be careful about your thoughts because they could lead to sin, I'm grateful that the gospel and the cross has given us the ability to overcome our thoughts. Can I get an amen? But little things get floated in there. And I know for teenagers, as a youth pastor, it would always be the thing. It's like, oh, you're missing out. That thought would start in their head of, no, you got to experience college. Oh, they're young. They'll figure it out. You know, it's fine if you compromise this and everybody's got to give it a try and everybody's got to, I didn't turn out so bad. And so we allow these sinful thoughts and then they become sin actions and we put excuses on them, but they give birth to things that we don't want the final destination. It happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they're in paradise. It's perfect. They have everything that they need. And then they're going, I wonder about that tree. I wonder what the apple tastes like. I wonder what would really happen. When he says we'll surely die, I wonder what death means. And so they begin to let these thoughts give birth to a sinful action, and therefore they then downgrade. Are you with me today? I'm not the guy who gets up here and says, like, you need to only listen to Christian music. You need to only watch Christian television. But I do think as Christ followers, we need to make sure we're weighing the amount of influence that is coming into our thought life. The books you're reading, the stuff you're listening to, the blogs that you're a part of. Are you with me? I'm not saying you need to create a bubble and live in it. And, uh, but I'm saying it is so important because the scripture gives us the warning. What is your thoughts will produce your sin. Are you with me? So that's why the scripture says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. Man, we are living in a time with some sophisticated arguments and some exalted and proud things that are trying to set themselves up against God, aren't we? And what does it say we need to do? We need to destroy that. We don't coddle it. We don't say live your truth, figure out your thing, uh, support you on your journey. No, 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 no. Destroy these things that set themselves up against God. I wish the church would get a little bit more of a backbone. Are you with me? Okay. I'll stick to the sermon. I already did that sermon last week, but I wanted to do it again. It says we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. The picture that we're called to get here is we take every thought captive. When you take a prisoner of war captive, you've then disabled their ability to harm you. You've, you've disabled them. When you've taken somebody captive, you've disabled them. What it's saying is we need to be a papal. It's okay if you have the thought. Scripture says don't ever have a bad thought. Don't ever have a sinful thought. It says instead what you do is you take it captive, thereby disabling it. So we have to live this mindset, oh, I'm having this thought, I'm having this thing. I need to reach out to somebody who's going to help me take this thought captive and put it under the obedience of Christ. Are you with me? That's why the scripture says it's important for us to be able to hide the word of God in our heart that we might not sin against him. Because anytime we have a thought, we need to renew that thought by the word of God. Yeah. 
So you got to know the word to be able to do that. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 8, verse 8 says this. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into eternal life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Uh, if you're here today and your hands or feet have caused you to sin, if you text the word cut off to this number on the screen, <laughs> we will cut those off for you. Verse 9, if your eye causes you to sin, let me keep going because i got to offer plucking out eyes too. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter eternal life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hell fire. What the scripture is saying is this, take extreme measures to avoid sin. We don't play around with sin. You don't play around with situations and circumstances that may cause you to go astray. Situations and circumstances that are going to cause you to miss the mark as the scripture describes it. So is it telling you to cut off your hands and feet? No. What it's saying is remove things from your life that may tempt you to live a lifestyle of sin. You might be able to think you can date him and save him and fix it and it turn out, cast it away. As your pastor, I will gladly come in and cut up that relationship for you. Why? Because I don't want to see you hurt. Can I get an amen? And so it's saying take extreme measures because it's better to cut out some things that you wish you could have now, but it's not good if you're taking them with you to hell. Can I get an amen? So we got to hide things in our heart and, and that we might not sin. Jesus came and died on the cross, not just so that we can get to heaven, but so that we can live an empowered life free of sin here and now. We're washed in the blood. We can renew our mind. You can live the life that God called you to live now, empowered by the work of the cross. Aren't you grateful for the gospel? Can I get an amen? I'll close with this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says this. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Again, he don't play around. He's not trying to rough you up. He's trying to devour you. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. It says this, be alert, resist, be firm. Like we have to be on guard against sin and sinful natures and things that may try to cause us to miss. He said, no, I can handle it. I got, no, 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 no. That's not resisting. That's tolerating. Stop tolerating your sin. You're downgrading the best that God has for you. No, I need it. I need it. It, it actually helps me know you've bought a lie. Are you with me? No, 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 no. I can handle it. No, 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 I don't. no, stop. That's not resisting. Resist the enemy. The scripture then promises you he will flee. You say, no, no, I need it. No, 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 you can get through this. You can get over that. You can't, no, no, I'm, a, I'm an old dog. You can't teach me new tricks. Yeah, you can. I believe that God is a chain breaker. He's a bondage breaker. He's an addiction breaker. And as soon as we say, I'm resisting, I'm resisting, the enemy will flee. I thought about it like this. We get so deceived so easily. And my in-laws have a two and a half acre pond 
and we've stocked it with a bunch of fish. And so we go out there with the kids and we fish. And it's always so like ridiculous to me that the fish fall for it all the time. <laughs> they have everything they need. It's paradise for them. They got minnows to eat and all the things that they need. Every, the, the bass have everything they need. The blue gold, they got, they got everything they need. They were in paradise that God made for them. They, they're there. And then here we come along making noise, right? We get out our fruit roll up and we put it on the hook and we throw it out there. And here they come. Oh, oh, look at this. We're like, mine, I, I got it. And you go up, this is going to be great. And they bite on that thing and then the kids bring it in and the fish is like, oh, not again. Because our fish talk. I don't know if you. Oh, again. They got me again. We are the same stupid people. Everybody's like, oh, that offends me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sorry. Because we do the same thing. You have everything. God's given you everything. Sent his son, died on the cross, paid for our sins, the blood covers. Are you with me? We have given us the word. We have everything that we need. And then here comes the enemy, the devourer with his little fruit roll up. And everybody's like, oh, look, this is going to be great. I can date him. I can date her. I can handle this. I can go back to those friends. I can go back into that atmosphere. I can watch that thing and it won't affect me. This is going to be good. And then the enemy pulls in. Oh, not again. And I know I'm being light, but I shouldn't be because it's terrible that the enemy runs rampant and destroys lives. All because we think we can handle the downgrade of sin. And then we got churches preaching grace, grace, grace. Give them their grace. We're all on a journey. Dude. Anyway. It's time for us to own it. Own our sin. Own where we are sinful and we fall short, but God's grace, he gave it all. He's playing it. He's worthy of it all because he gave it all for us. Are you with me? Here's the mistake Adam and Eve made. Adam made. And we do the same thing. We always blame somebody or something else. No, it's so, I'm doing it because that. Adam said, it's the woman you gave me is the reason that I sinned and downgraded and compromised. And we always say, no, no, the reason I'm sinning is because this, this, this. And we try to put all these sophisticated answers on why we're calling evil good. And God is like, no, it's the video game. It's the Nintendo Switch. No, you're doing it wrong. It'd be so much better. Are you with me? So I want to give you the opportunity. I believe in repentance. I'm not going to have everybody come forward and confess our sins or anything like that. But I believe that God, the scripture says one of the ways we're going to see our land healed is when we humbly repent, confess our sins. Then God can come in and put us back in paradise living. Not perfect living, right? But God can heal our land. So I want to give us all the opportunity, whether you're watching online or watching this at some time later, but God wants to move and I believe he can heal. And I believe that again, his blood and what he did on the cross covers our sin and forgiveness can be ours. Are you with me? So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to give us a couple prayer opportunities today. But you may be here this morning or you may be watching it sometime later and you may be saying, hey man, Pastor Josh, I, 
I've messed up. I've, I've done some things wrong and I've made some compromises and I need Jesus to, to save me. And I need that forgiveness that you're talking about. What's amazing is God, God has a plan for that. And we see it here in the book of Romans. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Of course, it takes lifestyle change, but this is an acknowledgement of needing a Lord and Savior saying, God, I need somebody bigger than myself to lead me through this. And that's what this prayer does. It begins this work of salvation. So some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. It's the same thing. But it's a prayer that you can pray today and begin this journey of salvation with God. And so I want to give you the opportunity to do it. What we're going to do, I'm not going to embarrass anyone, have everybody come forward or do anything like that. But right where you are, if you say, Pastor, count me in that prayer. I want to acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, forgiveness of my sins today. When we all pray, and we all pray out loud together, I encourage you to pray that. And the scripture says, if you mean it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. And all of us are going to pray it together at the same time. If you're watching online, wherever you are, if you mean it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, I believe salvation is yours. So let's all pray this together. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me. And he rose again. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody give it up for them real good. Hey, if you, if you prayed that prayer, uh, maybe you're in this room and you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to text that word to that number. If you're watching online, wherever you may be, if you text that word to that uh, number, text prayer to that number, uh, we want to help you with some of your next steps. We actually have a free gift we'd like to give you. And so it's just a book that kind of helps you with what life looks like going forward, following God. And that's free to you. And so we want to be able to get that to you. But if you're here in person today, uh, you can go pick up that book at the end of service. Just go past the water bar in our prayer room. Let them know that you prayed that prayer and we'll get you that prayer book today. Uh, but for the rest of us here in the room, I do want to close this sermon by praying for all of us as well one more time and those that are watching online that God just give us that boldness and that strength to begin to, to say, you know what? I'm resisting the enemy. I'm resisting the compromises of sin. I'm not going to call evil good uh, just because someone's are you with me? So let's pray it into our lives. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and for your truth. God, we want to be a people who resist the compromise and the downgrade of sinful lifestyle. But instead, we want to be the people who walk in all that you have for us, the way that you created us with purpose and on purpose. God, help us to be a people who live um, according to your promises, uh, not because we feel stuck by rules, but God, because we understand that there's fullness in you. In Jesus' name, amen.